Hello and welcome to Just Stories. We share inspiring stories of real people leading lives impacted by social justice, advocacy, and service. Here how our guests have used their experiences to make a difference in the lives of others. And remember, it's all about the story, theirs and yours. Just Stories. Hi there, this is Jean. Thanks for joining us here at Just Stories. I'm so glad you're here. Just want to let you know that today's episode is going to be featuring Andy Carroll, who is a photographer, she loves animals, and she writes poetry. You're in for a real treat. Also, um, the really important topic of preferred gender pronouns comes up in this episode. And I just want to make clear that Andy Carroll's preferred gender pronouns are she, her. However, she does name a time in the story she's going to tell where she wished that the pronouns of they, them were being used in that particular instance. So she um, wanted, we just wanted to make sure that um, that was clear to our listening audience. So um, that she's okay with us using she, her, although there are times where she could be okay with using they, them. Also, um, something that you should just listen for is that um, she does share uh, one of her latest creations, a beautiful poem at the very end of our time together. So stay tuned to the very end. And like I said, you're in for a real treat. Thanks for being here with us. Let's get started. Hey, Jean. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Mark. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Thanks. Thanks. You know, we had a we had an interesting table conversation the other day over dinner. You know, sometimes that can get interesting talking to your kids and your your family. And uh, you know, for some reason, I can't remember the context, but my daughter said something, and I said, you know, Jenna, you may not want to open Pandora's box there. And she looked at me as a twelve year. What are you talking about, Pandora's box? And my wife realized she had no idea what Pandora's box was. She, you know, didn't even recognize it as the music outlet or whatever. Um, so she, my my wife, adeptly started describing what Pandora's box meant. And uh, she said, Jenna, you know, there's a Greek mythology and there's a woman who was supposed to be the first woman on the earth. And the Greeks, gods gave her this box and she opened it uh, only to find that everything miserable for the world, all the illness and pain and um, troubles came out of the box into the world. And most people kind of remember that story ending there. And that's how I remember that story ending. Uh, but my wife went on to say, but there was something else. She looked down into the box, deep in the box, thinking it was empty, but at the bottom of the box was hope. And I said, oh, I never knew that. I never realized that about this, this story of Pandora's box. And so I can't remember you know, how that interacted with my daughter, but I thought about just stories. I thought about the number of people that we talk about who are going through situations like Pandora's box, where there's just trouble and there's challenges, um, whether they be um, people dealing with poverty or um, immigration, uh, seeking asylum. Um, but there's hope in the bottom of the box for them, and that hope has propelled them forward. So it's been kind of a neat little reminder for me that uh, we're, we're talking to people who have been given courage through the hope that they have in the midst of a lot of struggles that they've that they've had. So that was that was a reminder to me to, to me also to 
spend a little more time around the dinner table and a little less time in front of the TV having dinner. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's it's good to encourage those dinner conversations. So that's 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 the news from me. You doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing really great. So uh, actually, sure. I teach the the mythology of Pandora's box to my oh. freshmen, and it's pretty incredible. You know, so yeah. Um, Did I get it right? You you got it right, and there's a backstory to all of it as to why yeah. it was a trick, uh, because um, there was it was all about vengeance, and uh, like the the god Zeus wanted to cast revenge on um, the earth, but because uh, you know he just wanted to, and so he gave an irresistible yeah. um, jar to a very inquisitive woman named Pandora and um, because of her curiosity she wanted to open the jar and he knew that what was hiding in that jar yeah. was all those what they call spites terrible mm. things that are happening but the one thing that he didn't know that was in that jar was hope so mm. amidst all the terrible things that we're going through there is always hope and I think you're right I think that um, we need a little bit of hope and we need to believe that hope is all there and uh, sometimes that's what really pulls us through. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's that hope that gives us strength and courage in the midst of those things. Um, and Jean, who do we have with us today? I understand uh, Andy is a friend of yours. So tell us a little bit about Andy Carroll. Oh, yes. Okay, so Andy Carroll is a good friend. Um, another writer who I have invited many times to uh, our high school. And she talks to our students about uh, writing, her passion for writing and her beautiful poetry and just her life story. So, so many valuable things that she's connected with um, our students. And, and I just love meeting with her annually. I'm so glad that we get to do it even despite COVID. So we're doing this remotely from all of our homes. Um, so I'm just glad that she's here. All right, so she is a poet, a photographer and an ad person. She lives in Chicago and she grew up in Indiana in a conservative household and made her way to the big city where she discovered how to use her own stories to help others reveal their own. So pretty amazing. Fantastic. Let's bring her in. Let's bring her in. Hi, Andy. Hello. So happy to be here. Good to meet you. Good to yeah. meet you. Great to meet you as well. So it seems like it's going to be a beautiful day today. I think this is the first time in a long time that we're going to hit like 50 degrees. We've been in a deep freeze and snow. So uh, I hear that you're going to be riding your horse today. Like, you want to tell us a little bit about how you're going to be spending that time? We'll see. We'll see if I actually get on his back today. Um, it, that would be wonderful. So, yeah, I, I have a horse. And although I live in the city... Um, I board him down in Palos Park. So pretty much I would say like 80 to 90 percent of the people out there when the pandemic got got going, I was like, hey, I'm going to get a horse because that's like what everybody does. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Super, super <laughs> normal. We got ours, you know, so you, you've got yours. <laughs> no. do, do they stay in the house? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. In the kids room. You know, I tried, in the, in the guest I tried room. but the landlord was like, mm, I don't know, like that might exceed <laughs> the pet policy. <laughs> I already have a menagerie here. I have two cats, a dog, fish. My son has a hamster and he just got a pair wow. of feet the other uh, two weeks ago. You've got a regular yeah. zoo. Yeah, it's a zoo. Definitely. So yeah. Um, so I, I adopted this, this rescue horse and it happened really hmm. quickly. 
Mm. Basically, I was looking online and um, I mean, I'd gone to this, I, I, I was looking to share board a horse and this, I mean, the story really starts with, I was fostering kittens and, um, and through the fostering, like I kind of found this other side of me where I was like, it's like the softness in me came out that I, mm. I think it's always been there, but you know, working mm -hmm. in advertising and, and in the corporate world, it like maybe like a little bit of hardness kind of like, you know, like walls went up a little bit, but being with these kittens, every, I mean, I'm talking tiny kittens. Some of them I was still feeding some formula to. Yeah. Mm. Oh, mm -hmm. and it, it just like brought out this other side of me. And, um, I had my son go to a pony camp at a stable and I actually was like, God, I love being around these horses. I mean, I've always known that I've always loved being around horses, but I started shareboarding, which is essentially renting a horse. Mm -hmm. So I would um, pay to ride for the, basically. Um, mm -hmm. And I wasn't getting enough out of it. I was, and I, I was looking for another shareboarding experience around the area and I just couldn't find the right match in a horse. And then I was like, you know what, what if I bought a horse? And then I had control over, you know, like riding them and going out and seeing them all the time. And that I know it sounds like such a far-fetched idea, but then it started sinking in as something that was really possible. Mm. And, um, and one of my friends who has some rescue horses told me about the Illinois Horse Rescue of Will County. And that's where I went on their website a couple of times and... I think the second time that I sent a message, it was a Saturday night, um, super late, which, you know, what do they say about, it's like after midnight, um, all, or all bad decisions happen after midnight <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. I'm sure it was probably like at least one o'clock yeah. in the morning. And I don't know, wine may have been involved, but I sent them a yeah. message like, I'm interested in this course. <laughs> I mean, come on, let's be, let's be real. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like filters go down, logic goes down. But here's the thing. It was Monday morning, so not not too too much longer. And, and they got back to me, and they're like, all right, well, would you like to come out and meet him? And, you know, I mean, well, they, they first, like, screened me a little bit, right? And so they <laughs> called me, and we talked. And, uh, and by Wednesday, Wednesday, I went out and met him. And I'm not, I'm not joking. I was walking up to his stall, and the hair on my arms went up. I got goosebumps oh. all over and I knew I didn't even touch them. I just knew there was this connection I needed to have this horse in my life. Mm -hmm. mm. And um, he's changed my life dramatically. And it really, it happened so fast. So that was um, right before Labor Day weekend. And I mm. had Friday off from work. Friday is when I got it set up. So it was two days later. I had him set up to be transported to where I have him now. So it, it was a really fast process. That is, yeah. I mean, so from cats to horses, I, you know. Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, you're rescuing and rescuing. So, like, why would a horse need to be rescued? Why don't we start there? Like, do you know anything about your, and by the way, what's your horse's name? His name is Orion. Oh, okay. Yeah, his name was Bogart when I met him. But I already have a dog whose name is Humphrey. <laughs> and, yeah, so I felt like uh, that would be extra odd if I kept his name. Wait, wait a second. <laughs> you already have a dog named Humphrey and yeah. on a maybe a full moon <laughs> night you decided to adopt a horse or and then that horse's name happens to be already Bogart. 
Yes. This is like, and it probably was a full moon. Let's let's be real. It, it probably <laughs> was. Just like full moon know. after one with wine. Yes. Yep. This is just what's gonna happen today. Maybe I'll adopt another horse. No nah. full moon. So but that's like fate <laughs> in the making. Come on, you were meant to be. Yeah, well, well, and I think about this all the time. Everything that has to do with Orion, it seems I think about this not just with the horse adoption, but with everything in life. Um there's this whole idea that when you try really, really hard for something and you just keep get getting into like running into roadblocks, it's probably not the right direction. Right. Mm -hmm. I believe that to an extent um, when I was trying to change my life, and I'm sure we'll get into this later down the road in our conversation when I was, I had to work really, really hard to get into advertising, but it's true. Like the things that like were kind of really lucky and fell into my lap, um, those are the things that got me into my internship and got me into advertising, really got me into the door. But going back to Orion, everything has just been a smooth process. Mm. Um, with, with having him, he, like I said, like just the adoption, uh, finding, finding a boarding facility that would be good for him. Um, ha they happen to have the availability to transport him on a, a day when I didn't have to go to work. Um, it's just, and those are very little things, but along this whole journey, since I've had him in September, it's just, everything has worked out smoothly with him. And I have absolutely no doubt that it was meant to be. Mm, yep. No doubt at all. You mentioned that Orion's really had an impact on your life though. I mean, the hair stood up on your, on, on your neck and, uh, and you felt like there was a connection Tell us a little bit about you now. How has this horse impacted your life? Oh my gosh! In so many ways, it hasn't even been a year. And I know that September second, when that rolls around, and it's the uh, Gotcha Day anniversary, I'm going to be an emotional mess thinking back to how much he's impacted my life in just a year. Because now, in just like you know, these several months, um, it's, it's been an extraordinary journey for me and for him, hopefully. Um, really all in positive ways. So uh, my brain wants to go in so many directions right now to talk about how he's impacted my life. Mm. But I'll just say that I don't know much of his history. I know that there is abuse in his past. Mm. Um, he was at the, at the rescue for a little over a year. I like to say that he was waiting for me. Um, and yeah, because there were other people who were interested in him, but we, we're the ones who ended up together. He has a lot of anxiety. He's what He's an Arabian, and a lot of people attribute Arabians to being super hot horses. They just say, oh, they're anxious, they're hot. That's not always true. Um, he's extremely sensitive. He's extremely anxious. Um, he has a lot of issues with separation anxiety. There's a lot of on-ground training. So when you think of um, you know, somebody with a horse, you, you just picture them riding all the time. And that's why, Gene, I mentioned, I might not get on his back today. We'll see. Mm -hmm. um, because there's so much training that's like the, the mental training, right, mm -hmm. with them. Mm -hmm. And, and groundwork, tons of groundwork and just um, that connection. So mm -hmm. in, in um, trying to find ways to help him, it's helped me. So there are some podcasts that I listen to quite regularly because I'm always on the road. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to the barn or coming home from the barn. So I, I have a lot of car time. Mm -hmm. And I never used to be a big podcast fan until I came across your podcast. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But really, it's... <laughs> 
Um, it was it was being in the car all the time and saying, okay, I love music, but I also want to use this time to grow as a person. And maybe I can take advantage of this time. So I started uh, listening. I found this, I found this phenomenal trainer. He's an Australian trainer. Um, his name is Warwick, Warwick Schiller. And he's very much about the mind connection with your horses, the, building a relationship with them first and foremost, um, before you even get on their back. So it's about um, helping get them from this anxious place to like calming them, but, but really being attuned to those small nuances, like, okay, their ears changed. What does that mean? Okay, they're anxious. Bring them down to a place where they, um, they call it lick and chew. Mm-hmm. So you watch their mouth and watch their nostrils go from flaring to, to settling down and their eyes, watch their eyes soften then they will usually lick their mouth and then they'll, they'll do like a chewing action. And then, you know, they've come down, like they've gone from the sympathetic nervous system down, um, you know, into back into like this restful state. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, you know, and I have stage fright. So, you know, Jean, that I'm a performance poet as well. Um, and, and I've, I've dealt with stage fright for the entire time I've been a state, a, a performance poet. And, and people, it's funny because I know I'm going on a tangent here, but it's all related. It really is. But people talk about, um, you know, they'll come up to me. This has happened so many times where they come up to me and they say, oh, Andy, you're so brave. Like you, you go out there and you talk about all these issues. You talk about your sexuality and your gender and, and things like that. And you go out on stage and, oh my God, that's so brave of you. And I want to say, well, that's not the bravest part. It's, it's, it's not about writing about it and telling people it's about actually going on stage and doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah, where yeah. it's been hard for me, um, is, is dealing with my stage fright. I wonder if you have anything you'd like to tell us and our listeners about any stories, uh, whether it be, um, how you got involved in that or certain performances or, or the content, what would you like to share with us about that? In my performance poetry, I haven't been writing about it as much now. Um, just because I'm in a different place in my life. And, and the, the one thing that's always been important to me is, is being an advocate when I go on stage. I feel, um, okay, this is an opportunity for me to educate people and educate people through my poems. So my, my poems, a lot of them are stories. A lot of my poems, um, you know, get really into the nitty gritty details of my life where I have been up against um some pretty intense situations and primarily to do with gender and sexuality so i do identify as queer and uh gender variant or i use the word gender queer for myself or gender neutral um so for those of your listeners who don't really understand what that is that's um not saying you know like i i i hate being called like oh one of the ladies but i do i do use pronouns she her but I also love gender neutral pronouns, they, them. Um, and I don't identify as like strictly female or strictly male. I like to say that I, I really straddle the line between them. And um, sometimes, you know, I, I keep a sense of humor about it and I love getting a kick out of like making people guess. Um, what's funny is I, so I have my COVID hair I have long hair right now. It's a little bit past my shoulders, which is a new thing for me. I had short hair for over a decade. That's a long time. And mm-hmm. I'm tall. I'm 
between five eight and five nine depends on what my spine's doing that day <laughs> um <laughs> and i happen to like when i walk i have like more of a masculine gait so um w when i present in public and i also wear more masculine clothing and everything i i have more of a masculine type of energy about me in other words and and look um i do talk i do have some poems where i talk about my hair the length of my mm -hmm. hair um the way i the way i look to the world and um how how that affects me uh this makes me think of a situation i hate to say a situation but it, it was a situation i I was actually out of town with a performance group. This was four or five years ago. And we were up in Milwaukee and we had this meeting with somebody who was interested in helping us um, write a new script for a new show. Hmm. And because our shows would be scripted, but then we'd go off script and um, get really real with the audience, which, which I loved. Um, there was always a poet in a show and a comic. And so we, we ran the gamut of emotions in every show. But we always wanted to talk about, for me, I would talk about gender. I talk about sexuality. Um, but anyway, we were meeting with this, this gentleman up in Milwaukee. And he kept referring to me as him and he. He was using masculine pronouns with me. And it was so strange because then I was like, I felt this, like my gut would tighten. I was like, oh, no, this is so awkward. Because then my teammates would refer to me as she. And I was like, oh, gosh, when is, when is the... Um, poop going to hit the fan right <laughs> like when is when is somebody going to um you know say something and get like confused is is like a lot of um presentation when you are when you are gender variant is worrying about what other people are thinking about you right so we're sitting there outside in the sun in milwaukee and you know it's a gorgeous day and this gentleman that we're meeting with he just keeps referring to me as he and him and using these masculine pronouns and which, okay, that's fine with me, but it was really uh, nerve wracking for me because I started noticing that not only was he doing that, but the, my teammates were not noticing that he was using them. Of course, you know, being gender variant, I think there's like a safety aspect. You're always worried about your safety, right? So like we're a little more attuned to these small nuances, mm -hmm. how people are looking at us, how people are referring to us. Um, but they did not notice and they kept referring to me as she and her. And I was like, gosh, when is this going to be revealed? Like that there's this like disfluency going on right here at this table. So our conversation went on for a long time and we finally took a break and I took one of my teammates aside and I said, listen, I don't know if you've noticed, but he keeps saying he, him, can you just use gender neutral pronouns with me so that it's not as awkward? And, and that's when she was like, gender neutral pronouns, like that's wait that doesn't make sense now i mean this was a few years ago so hopefully since and i tried to educate her right there but it just wasn't the time and i was i was really worn out by that point i just wanted to go home mm. so um so here we are like we went we we managed to get through this meeting without any further awkwardness besides what was going on inside my own head um i had to race to the airport right after this meeting and i was super nervous because i was about you know, like, I was like, okay, I'm going to miss the plane. You know, I don't, it was, it was just like a case of, you know, getting to the airport too late, obviously. So I walk into the bathroom, a women's bathroom, and I see a woman there washing her hands at the sink and she stops and she looks at me 
And then she like just kind of, I see her like have a shocked expression on her face. And then she just starts laughing. Hmm. And I was like, you know, I would, I had already just had this moment of, um, you know, it was like a three hour meeting wondering when the poop was going to hit the fan with, you know, <laughs> my gender reveal. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, going into the bathroom and having this lady like just start laughing. It was like, you know, she had a friend there and they both look her friend starts laughing too. And, and I looked at her, I'm like, Oh yeah, you, you thought I, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I did. And then starts laughing again. Like it was a joke to her mm. not understanding that my, my comfort was, you know, that should have been important too. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like a joke. Authenticity has always been important to me in my poetry, but also living day to day. And that's something that's really important to me. Um, I feel like you showing up every day as, as who you truly are, that in itself is advocacy. That's what advocacy means to me. It's not always being uh, running as a politician or voting for this or that or going on stage or um, you know, running organizations to be an advocate. Advocacy starts with who you are. And, and there's a lot of responsibility in that. Um, and it can be very difficult to show up as yourself. Like I said, you're going to have a lot of uncomfortable moments. Um, but I think, especially as we get older and we get more comfortable being who we are, I think we have a responsibility. Um, we have a responsibility to those behind us to say, look, maybe there aren't people, there weren't people for me. Like when I was trying to get into advertising, I, I didn't see people like me. There were not people like me leading the way. And that makes me responsible for being that person that I never had. So it's my, now that I'm in the industry, it's my responsibility to put my hand out and lift somebody else up who, you know, the baby queers, like, okay, here's a queer person, here's a gender variant person who who maybe wants to make ads. Who knows what the reason is, you know? But I need to, I need to show up as myself and say, hey, look, I did it, you can do it. Yeah, and it seems like with that level of authenticity, you do have to make yourself more vulnerable to whoever is watching or taking you in, whoever you're showing up to be, um, which is yourself. And um, would it be fair to say, like, the more vulnerable you present, the more opportunity rushes towards you? Absolutely. I believe that 100%. There's, I don't believe that you can be truly authentic without being vulnerable. Because when you're vulnerable, and vulnerability um, that isn't, like weakness. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about um, being open, being open, showing who you really are, because, you know, especially depending on the space that can be super, that can be super vulnerable, just being like, this is how I truly feel. Um, this is who I truly am. That is vulnerability. And there's just no way that you can. Um, yeah, like I said, that you can uh, be authentic unless you go to those places. There's so much to say. <laughs> I didn't yeah, just you know, about vulnerability. Um, and you've told us that this uh, is a thread that uh, through your life that uh, you've told us off offline that um, being vulnerable, showing your true self has opened up 
you know, gateways for you in some ways. And you mentioned earlier, you've had roadblocks in your way. Um, perhaps I think you were mentioning that in, the, in terms of your career in advertising. Tell us a little bit about maybe a time when just the, the fact of your taking courage to be vulnerable and authentic, being the real Andy, um, opened up opened up a way for you uh, to move forward. Yeah, so I, I think that the times that I've been most vulnerable and most authentic in my life, that is when I've had the most opportunities presented to me and the best opportunities, really. So, okay, my my father and I, my, my parents divorced when I was a little kid. Um, I haven't had the best relationship with him throughout my years, uh, particularly my adult years. And there was a time we went, we went mm, a good amount of time. I mean, at least a decade not talking. We finally reconnected um, a few years back, This maybe maybe about four or five years ago. And we, we never spoke on the phone. We reconnected via email. And we were just writing emails back and forth. And I, I started opening up, getting a little more vulnerable with him and telling him what I was trying to do with my life. And I said, uh, essentially, I was trying to change my life and use, you know, get into a creative field where I can make a little more money and still be happy and still use my creativity. So I was trying to get into advertising. And I wrote that in the email. And he, I had already talked to him in emails about being queer identifying. And his email back to me wasn't this support. His email back, and, and I can't find this email because... Um, like I said, I like to write honest poems, and I really wanted to write an honest poem that like quoted part of this email. And I so I searched for it, and I couldn't find it. But I just remembered that the essence of his email was hide who you are, don't show them so much queerness because you're trying to get into the corporate world. And I I get, and he would he veiled it with I'm trying to protect you. I'm your father. Well, where have you been all these years, first of all? Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're trying to protect me. These words are harmful to me. And if anything, it did not, I mean, it, it made me want to do the opposite. I didn't read his email and go, oh, you're right. I'm going to hide who I am. I'm going to be more straight. Like, I don't, I don't know exactly what he expected of me. I'm going to go get hair extensions and put on a bunch of makeup. Like, I, I don't know what he wanted. But... I guarantee that it had the opposite effect on me. And I, I just felt even more certain that I needed to be myself. And agencies now are doing a much better job. And, and this is where I was also angry. I was like, you don't even know what's going on in that world. Agencies are trying, you know, a lot of it is lip service, but I think there are some people who are genuinely trying to change corporations for the better. Um, they're realizing there's money, there's money to be made and money speaks right let's be honest and there's more money to be made when you have more diverse people within your organization now i'm not getting into the research or anything people can google this and find it on their own time <laughs> we don't have time to get into this but organizations do make more money when you have more diversity so i'm not saying i was a diverse hire but that surely did not hurt me and here i was i literally took an internship i was 36 I turned 37 during the internship and the other interns, they could have been my children. <laughs> Shortly after that email, I was like, no, I can't, I can't keep conversing with my father. Like he still sees all this shame that I should hold. And, and I just brought up the word shame, right? That, that is such a powerful word. 
And I feel like shame is what keeps us from being authentic, which keeps us from being true advocates for ourselves and for other people. And what we need to do is just constantly combat that shame by being vulnerable. And, and with that said, I want, I want to also mention that um, we, we change. Um, you know, when I talk about being authentic, we need to also be realistic about that. As people, we grow and change daily, right? As we discover new things about ourselves. And I think that we need to hold grace and compassion for ourselves and for these changes. So this makes me think of back in the day, and I'm not, I didn't want to come on here and do com a coming out story. I did want to talk about my queerness, but I will, I will be vul vulnerable here and say I was married to a man for over eight years. I have a wonderful son. He's, he's 13 and he is besides my horse. <laughs> he is my pride and joy. Um, he's a teenager. He's in his room all the time. I have more conversations with my horse nowadays than, than <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but, um, but speaking with, to change, um, you know, so I, 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 when I got married, I, I identified as bisexual, but the lifestyle that I led was as a straight hetero, hetero person. Um, and, and I was definitely a lot more female presenting. And it wasn't until I was about 30 years old that I, um, I started realizing that, you know, oh my gosh, like maybe, you know, I'm not happy. Like I'm missing something in my life. And I don't want to get into the details of the coming out story, like I said, but let's just say like I ended up getting divorced. I, I got into this relationship with somebody and she, she's the one who really like got me thinking more about my gender and gender identity. And I started reading more books and educating myself. I mean, there is so much information out there about gender. You know, people who are like, there are two genders and it's very simple it's not simple. It's complicated. There's a lot to it. That's why universities literally have gender departments. You've mentioned that over time, we need to give grace to ourselves um, with the changes that we undergo. And we all undergo changes through life. Um, we all do. And so that's a, that's a special message for us and our listeners. Tell us a little bit about, has that influenced your writing? Uh, you're a poet. And does that um, impact your writing? Does your writing change? Yeah, definitely. I I always want to, like I said, be authentic and honest in what I'm writing about. And it's usually what's what's on my mind at that time. So I've actually been working on a new book. It details and it, it's basically like a narration, a, a storyline of um, me trying to break into advertising. And although I do mention um, gender and being queer because I want I do want people who um, are diverse to read this book and see it as inspiration like oh okay like you I see myself in you um, and, and you know try to do whatever they this isn't for just people who are trying to break into advertising I want this book to really inspire people to make changes in their lives so um, you know and, and people do reach out to me like who are who are a little bit older and they're looking to make a career change and I am all for that I'm like we are not meant to stay on one path. You need to stay curious and passionate about life because there is mm. way too much out there. And um, I, I told my son, I'm like, you don't need to have everything figured out. They give you so much pressure to know exactly what you, you're going to go study in, in college even. Like, explore. Let yourself go out there. So, yeah, going back to this book, I'm, I'm not writing about gender the way I used to. Um, 
I'm more writing about, I want it, I mean, I'm, I do have some experiences that I, I get into um, that are, are pretty, I mean, pretty emotional. Because uh, it was a dark time when I was trying to uh, break into the ad world and change my life. I basically walked away from poetry, photography, and I put 100% of my energy into breaking into the biz. And it took me a couple of years. Um, but I didn't have the money to go back to school and make those connections. This was like, this was me like putting everything into it. So I took this journey and wrote about it. And I actually have a poem here, if you would Ooh. like to hear one. Yes, um, yes. It, it might be a good way to, uh, you know, wrap this up because it, this is about people experiencing these changes in their lives. No matter where they are in their journey, stay authentic to who you are at that time. This poem is called, When You Get There, Go Left or Right. Mm. The only thing your future depends on is you getting there. Wherever you end up, I hope you believe there's really never an end. The beginning has a funny way of reinventing itself at any age. You'll find straight lines become a maze with no escape between points A and B. And if we're honest, all the way to Z. Your compass heart doesn't need to have it all figured out to see that any direction is the way forward. The North Star was never set in stone. It's hard to believe the sky is only here for the benefit of the status quo. Go ahead and go easy on yourself. I've been tough enough on me for the both of us, mistaking my bruises for birthmarks, calling my own eyes my father's. I'm quick to fault myself for any earthquakes in my own life. Our blood's an impatient type. Every conclusion it rushes to resets our anxious. This is our nature, the restless within racing to get ahead. We are storms rolling in over the mountains. Our warm fronts move into a cold wind. We can feel as much as see the peaks down into the valleys. A new perspective is possible whenever you change the view. Take it all in and say to yourself, I don't need to know where I'm going to know. It's going to be okay. Let yourself believe this until you don't again. Then repeat. And in those times when you feel you aren't getting anywhere, check to see if the earth is still rotating. If the answer is yes, then you are in fact moving. If you want to disprove physics, simply look around at everyone else and see what they want you to see at this moment. You'll never feel more behind while eating the dust of resentment. And you'll wonder what you did wrong and what they did right to get what they got. But our paths are not racetracks. It's impossible to lose ground when you're finding your own way. If we all took the same path this planet would be missing out on all the good stuff and I want all the good that comes from taking the scenic route to discoveries that create songs or poems or stories the path of least resistance should always stay open to interpretation what you think makes the most sense for you will until it doesn't stop holding on for dear life and and teach your fists to learn to let go your future doesn't need you to fight for it as much as you think it does. Every newborn already comes into the world with a rally cry screaming, I was born for this. Doctors stop trying to slap it out of us, but too many parents and teachers keep up the practice still. The echo never left your body. It's there, 
the thunderclap heard while expectation burns from the lightning of your storm coming in over the mountains, changing directions so fast, even the weatherman never sees it coming. Oh my goodness, Andy. <laughs> brilliant. Just brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you for that journey. You just sent me like reeling. I'm just <laughs> thinking about everything, everything about the paths. And I love what the line, the paths, our paths are not racetracks. And I think that's a, a wonderful reminder. And then you're, you're constantly reminding me through that poem just to stay open and stay and not not need to know because the answer is mm -hmm. there it's and it seems like that just kind of is what you've discussed with us today yeah. like the more open you were to accept what is the less you've worked for what you think you should be or do definitely that's that's exactly it wonderful well um we believe that there's power in the story um and there's also power in a lot of things there's power in music and there's power in the writing that like, we just heard you know and the poetry that comes uh, so thank you for sharing that with us so much thank you for sharing with our audience my pleasure thanks so much for having me here thanks andy and that wraps up this episode of just stories we hope you've enjoyed this time and you'll join us again just stories is a partnership with Our Savior's Lutheran Church, an ELCA member church, where all are welcome and we join in God's reconciling work, which prioritizes disenfranchised, vulnerable, and displaced people in our communities and the world. Your hosts are people of Christian faith, and we recognize that God works through many vehicles, including those of differing faith or of no faith. Our guests may or may not be members of Our Savior's Lutheran Church. If you enjoyed what you heard, tell a friend, and please subscribe. Tune in next time for more of Just Stories.